Hey, this is Leadership and Lattes. I'm Crystal Roberts, and I'm here virtually with my co-hosts, Trisha Ryan and Dr. Dr. Danielle Lord. We're happy you've joined us to listen today. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health in the workplace and what role leaders can take in addressing this issue that impacts engagement, productivity, and ultimately the organizational culture. This is really also in preparation for next month, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we wanted to give you a little preview so that um, you can think about this and maybe take some action um, in May. So before we jump in, Danielle, how was your weekend? It was, uh, it was busy. <laughs> I did a little <laughs> yard work, uh, did a little work around the house, went to a pre-estate sale this morning and got another amazing set of china. So. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> so yeah, and one more set, but uh, it's, it was so pretty. I couldn't, I couldn't say no. So hurried back home, did some grocery shopping and unpacked my China, put the groceries away and here I am. So, and I am hydrating and staying hydrated in a vintage uh, depression glass, glass. <laughs> so beautiful. That's beautiful. what's in, that's what's in my cup today. <laughs> Adding beauty to your day. That's awesome. How about you, Trisha? How's your weekend? My weekend was intense, but it was great. I, I had a certification exam and I did well on it. So Yay. that was good. And congratulations. I being out in the sunshine. Thank you. Being out in the sunshine a little bit and how warm it was. We barbecued on the deck yesterday, which was awesome. And, um, and I'm staying hydrated with a Starbucks cold <laughs> beverage mug. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty warm over there, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So we're getting lucky to have you some beautiful spring weather. And I'm over here actually in Pullman. I've talked about my daughter, who's um, my middle daughter, who's over at WSU, and I'm here with her this weekend. So uh, it's definitely warm here. And so I have, (laughs) yeah, I, but beautiful, love the sun. Um, And so I have an iced beverage as well. So wherever you are, listeners, grab a cup. And let's talk about leadership. So this is a really important topic that we're talking about today. And Mm -hmm. it is just uh, unimportant for a while, Um, but it's really kind of exploded since COVID and the pandemic. So, um, you know, there's just really no question that um, the collective mental health of employees has degraded since COVID-19. Yeah. And there's a lot of statistics out there to support that. Um, record numbers of employees are depressed, anxious, burned out. And we know it just from uh, talking with others and in our own, own organization. But in preparation for the podcast, I did some research. So I'm going to pull um, a couple of these data points and talk about them. Um, and then just kind of toss it to you guys about um, what you're seeing. So some of these things are just kind of amazing. Um, we've seen uh, this new term called um, the second the second wave, and they're calling it. Um, this came from a corn fairy publication. They're calling it um, the uh, psychological um, the psychological pandemic. So following the COVID pandemic, psychological pandemic, they're calling it a second wave. And um, 
not only did COVID exacerbate an entire spectrum of anxieties, it in, imposed a full year of social isolation. And those conditions uh, described in the American Journal of Psychiatry uh, article, they described it as a perfect storm soon to make landfall in the form of rampant mental health afflictions. Mm -hmm. Ariana Huffington, the CEO of Thrive Global, a wellness company that focuses on behavioral change technology, said last week, levels of stress are absolutely astronomical. HR doesn't have to convince the C-suite that this is a problem. According to the HR executive um, organization, the vast majority of employees say it's the most stressful time of their career even more stressful than major events like September 11th and the 2008 Great Recession. Ginger, a wellness company, gave this statistic from their 2021 study on attitudes towards mental health. 70% of employees reported feeling more stress due to COVID-19 pandemic than ever before in their professional careers. And 58% of employees agree that COVID is still a, a top stressor at work Business group on health um, said it's difficult for the most resilient of us right now and for those who are vulnerable in any number of ways, it's that much more challenging. Just a couple more. I just this was this is kind of what it felt like reading this is kind of an avalanche of, of uh, information right now. People are so according to MetLife Research, just released in April, 65% of workers say they don't feel their employer offers benefits or programs that help support or improve their mental well-being. Headspace, which is um, a technology um, app, says it's seen a 400% increase in requests from companies seeking support for their employees' mental health um, since mid-March. The National Alliance of Healthcare Purchase Coalitions conducted a survey of employers and found that 53% of the 256 employers surveyed reported providing special emotional and uh, mental health programs for their workforce because of the pandemic. The Society of Human Resource Management states that only 13% of companies provide on-site stress management programs and just 11% provide mindfulness or meditation benefits while employee assistance programs have largely been the mental health benefit of choice for employers and only 79% of companies offer them. And this was, I thought, so sad. And for the most part, utilization is low. Usually less mm -hmm. than 10% of employees use their EAPs. And a lot of them don't even know that they, they exist in the company. So even when the company has it, they don't know about it. But companies are responding. Uh, a couple of examples is Starbucks rolled out therapy benefits for workers in April. Um, they, Starbucks also encouraging employees to use resources that already offers, such as Headspace, which I've mentioned above, a meditation and mindfulness app that was rolled out in January. So now more than 68,000 employees are using it. So definitely something that is needed. Target has out, has just recently rolled out online resources to help employees and the professional services firm. Uh, PwC introduced well-being coaching sessions where employees can reach out to a professional coach to discuss anything that may be causing them stress. So this was just a very cursory uh, look uh, that I did. Um, and it, it's just an avalanche, like I said, of, of uh, concern that's out there. 
employers are trying to do um, to respond to it. Uh, employees need it. And um, so we're kind of at this crossroads, it feels like. So my question to, and I'm starting actually with Danielle, but it'll be the same question for you, Tricia. You know, obviously clear this is an important issue. So where, where have you seen this in your work and um, kind of where do you weigh in on this topic? Yeah, I think the biggest place that I see it, and this will come as no surprise to either of you, is when we hear managers reaching, when we have managers that are reaching out to us saying, I'm feeling like I'm losing connection with my team. I'm feeling like my team is losing connection with each other. And what can I do? What can we do about that? And so I think, you know, it's it really helping them to get okay and right with um, sometimes we have to put the person first, you know, right? We've got this, we know that the task and the relationship are in this matrix and you have to have this, this good management of both of those things. But I think in times like this, just putting the person ahead of the task um, is, is really key. And I think we really have to, I, I mean, we both work with enough leaders where we can say, wow, we still are seeing leaders who are not getting the whole fact that the relationship is important <laughs> and how are they uh, working through all of this? Um, but then the ones even that recognize the importance of the relationship is really getting them to be okay with just saying, I got to just do a better job of making sure I'm putting my people first. So I think it, you know, there's some simple things that we can do and, and we can talk about that a, a little bit later as we close out. But I think just really stressing that, um, you know, be okay with that. Get your head around it. Be okay with it. This is what is taking precedence right now because we are seeing these numbers that are so high. Yeah. Yeah. Just really normalizing it and saying, and, and recognizing that, that this is where we're at. Nobody wants to be there, yeah. but but this is where, this is the reality and we have to em embrace it and know that it's impacting our business and because it's impacting our business, we need, and because we're human, we, yes. need, to, <laughs> we, need, to, we need to care, right? Yeah. It has a true business impact on the bottom line. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we all left thinking we'd be back in two weeks, you know, we yeah. can all get through something in two weeks and now yeah. here it is and whatever patterns and practices we put into place have become normalized. And so how do we how do we back away from some of those things that we've normalized over time and, and kind of rethink it, so. Yeah, great. Trisha, how about you? That's so important. All those points are just front of mind as, a, as I think about the clients that I work with. And I think, isn't it interesting that for me, it's interesting that a lot of the leaders are feeling a lot of stress themselves and so you know they want to have their people back in the office they want to see them back in the workforce and their 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 employees in some cases want to come back but in many cases they don't they they are showing and proving that they can be productive without having to come into the office but what that tells me or what that makes me wonder is how much stress is the leader under that they have, they're looking outward, they're trying to take care of their folks, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure they're taking such great care of themselves. And, mm. and, you know, mm -hmm. we all three know that, you know, we need to lead ourselves before we can be really good at leading others. And so if we're not even acknowledging where, you know, where leaders are, if they're not acknowledging where they're they're falling short or where they're having a, an issue 
um, being right with something because in many cases they had to go home for the last year too or they've had to continue working and keeping their teams engaged in a new environment where they've never had to do that before and that in itself causes stress so it's mm-hmm. there's just layer upon layer of this stuff it's not as simple as you know how do you keep your people engaged or how yeah. do you keep them um, how do you keep focusing on their mental state um, so that you can gain the productivity that you need eventually. But to your point, Danielle, it was a great point, is that, you know, um, that the, <laughs> it was a great point, I totally <laughs> lost it. <laughs> it was, no, um, you, you said something about how, um, well, it'll come back to me. It'll come, come back. It always does. <laughs> but I think to the to the point that you made, though, Tricia, about productivity, I think that's got to really be weighing on managers because you know it's it's the the, the holding up the organization and holding those jobs in check and making sure that we can still do the things that we need to do. And that's it, yeah. The, and, the, and the poor managers, I think they're getting squeezed in, in probably both directions. Thanks, I just recaptured my point. And that was, thanks for that, I needed that. Um, you know how they're, they're focusing on, they, you said something how they need to focus on the person first, or you've got to focus on the person. And that is absolutely true. I mean, I think we both, all three of us have seen um, incidents where leaders in our world have done a pretty good job of focusing on making sure people felt okay because this is not an okay time and it hasn't just been a not okay time because of COVID there have been so many factors piling up one on top of another that people have to try and process that um, if we don't focus on them productivity is not going to happen right it'll be so surface that your bottom line results are just never really going to get where you want them to be so I think if the more employees can see that there are efforts being made I I was reading the um, ginger article and I thought that the statistics were pretty interesting that CEOs really had um, a high degree of agreement that um, they're doing stuff that's helping people, you know, mentally and physically um, get through this unprecedented time. And yet there weren't even 70% of the employees who yes. felt that way. Yeah. And that, that gap is significant. That, that struck know? Yeah, that struck me as well. And it made me think that, okay, so the CEOs are getting it. They understand it. They've put things into place. But one is the message trickling down. And to the one of the the comments, the statistics that you alluded to, Crystal, is that what sixty five percent don't even realize that they have mental health options through their employer. Employer, but I think too the second piece of that is um, that's fine and well that CEOs have put these programs, have said this is important, and put these programs into place. But when they don't see the genuine empathy, warmth, compassion, humanness play out, then it's like, are we walking and talking in the same direction, right? It's great to say, yes, we have it. Here's the piece of paper that says we have it. Yet when I pass you in the hallway, I'm, I'm not even going to, you know, acknowledge that you're walking by. And I think that to me, when I read that, that's where I kind of wondered if some of that disparity is coming from. It's like a breakdown of trust there. 
you know, because mm -hmm. if your actions and your words don't align, then it doesn't matter how many efforts that a CEO sees that they're making. It really doesn't. They can, they can think that they're right on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. they an mm -hmm. article and they're doing what the article said. And so we're, we're taking care of it. Yeah. The issue is that employees don't, and it's, they're taking care of it and they in their little boardroom can say, yeah, we're taking care of it. Yep. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't trickle down and they don't see how that touches them personally, if a person can't see that I am being taken care of, then of course, you know, actions and words aren't aligning and trust erodes. And that's another um, point for a little bit of a mental break. I think sometimes mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. people feel like I don't even have the trust of my, you know, COVID hits, all this other stuff is going on and my employee, my employer does not support me. Yeah. So what else can go wrong? Right. Yeah. 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 Let me, let me just re refer it for our listeners. Um, so this, the study that we're talking about is put out by Ginger. I think if you Google it, you can find it. It's called the third annual workforce attitudes toward mental health report 2021. So, um, and I'll, I'll get those specific statistics that, that Danielle and Trisha were just talking about. Um, it's Ginger, uh, their research shows 96%. So 96%, that's a super high that's a very percentage <laughs> of CEOs think that they are doing enough for employees' mental health, yet only 69% of employees agree. And while 70% of CEOs say they're accepting of emotional and mental health issues in the workplace, only 35% of employees believe this is true. So that, mm -hmm. that gets to that trust piece. Mm -hmm. A couple of um, other things, and that also gets to the sort of the culture piece, like what culture are we creating yeah. that um, makes it okay? And it's great if the CEOs are modeling the way, although maybe they're not getting completely there, they think they are. Um, and that's actually very consistent, um, those statistics with other ones that I've seen around that's that people think they're a better better model, that they're modeling mm. the way better than their employees would rate them, right? So outside of even this particular issue. You, um, you know, what's distressing about that, Crystal, you were just mm -hmm. giving the actual statistics. And I was thinking, you know, in the, in the next uh, section in that very article, there was um, another statistic that said that this year, 48% of employees report experiencing high or extreme stress over the past year. And so if CEOs are that far away from what employees are yeah. actually experiencing, yeah. Yeah. that is what are they not seeing or what are the signs that they're not noticing? Is it because people are at home? Because clearly mm -hmm. in that same article, there was a huge number of people who actually have been working from home that like working from home and feel that they've been productive so yeah. um what's the trade-off here you know is it i yeah. get to work from home so that feeds my soul and and my stress level is lower or or is it higher because i have this perception that they want me back and i'm not ready you know i don't know yeah a lot of yeah. factors mm -hmm. so part part of what we were talking about was this creating the culture and so we know that that is not new that We've not, we've not been open uh, in our society either about talking about mental health and mental health issues. Um, and one of the things that they brought up that I thought was kind of interesting, and this was actually not in the Ginger uh, report, it was in the um, HR executive, um, their articles, and it was specific to Limeade Institute. 
was talking about um, an old school perception. And I thought, I've heard this before, <laughs> that that sounds like a personal problem mm. and leave your personal issues yes. at the door. Yeah. That is definitely, that's been the culture and that's what we're trying to change. And when yeah. have you ever seen that work? I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I have never been able to walk into the office and leave my personal world behind. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But that I, re, I re, that was like what we were taught, right? Yeah. That was an important part of our actual training. Um, another thing that Limeade brought up was that um, their research finds that 47% of employees who have shared information about their mental health have experienced a negative consequence. Wow. So again, reinforcing this, that you can't, you can't talk about it. It's not okay. We want to say we can, but the consequences and the actual situation that people are in um they they're they're feeling that there's a a pushback yeah again, that, that speaking to that misalignment we look at how great we are because we're doing this but the employees are having a different experience you know it makes me think about um last uh time we were together and we had michael on with us yeah. from um the hudson Co hudson coaching institute and he talked about you know really getting to know yourself deep at that deep level uh, so that you understand when you're being triggered by something, why you might have an emotional response to something. Of course, we know it as a cultural context when uh, we use it in emotional intelligence. But what it made me think about is we're having this conversation. So when I was teaching at the university level in graduate school, I had, we had a lot of military officers come through. And I was always, I was really surprised because I had a group of guys go through this cultural context for the EQ, some EQ type of work that we were doing. And they were all just completely open with these really um, um, outstanding tragedies that kind of had happened to them or this trauma that had happened to them as children. And I said, wow, I'm you know really impressed that you guys are this open with this. And he said, oh, we're as officers, we're expected to be able to talk about these things in the military because the military has recognized how damaging stress is, post-traumatic stress, um, whatever, household stress, whatever, deployments. And so they want us to be engaging uh, at, at this leadership level with people to um, uh, combat. But <laughs> Yeah, no, no pun intended there, but to com combat these kind of issues um, and so that we recognize them ahead of time and, and we can then bring our full self into the conversation to say, hey, it's okay. I understand what you're going through. So, so the military is doing it. <laughs> we, we, I think we can take something from, uh, from them there and, and help yeah. our leaders get a little bit better at this. Well, and to your point, Crystal, when we're talking about it at a cultural level, I mean, that in itself would be a wonderful step if we could get our leaders to be that vulnerable you know we yeah that's, that is in itself i think an issue um mm -hmm. i personally believe mm -hmm. that it's an issue that we have leaders who are so afraid of not looking strong yeah that they are willing to combat their own uh meant or not even combat their own mental uh stress in private where people can't see it. And in doing that, in, in lacking that vulnerability with the people who need a heart touch, you know, yeah. and that's what yeah. vulnerability does. It gives an employee and a leader a, a moment to, of, of commonality where they both have something yes. that they've yep. gone through together. 
And so by not being that vulnerable, a leader risks losing that connection to people who are so important to the bottom line of the business. Yeah. And at the end yeah. of the day, I hate the word asset when it comes to people because I, I used to have a boss who felt that it was a terrible tragedy to say that people are our best asset because people are people and assets are things. And so, um, but, but it is that, that employees are the reason why success happens. And so if a leader can just get real with people, it, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. gives them a connection that might enable folks to go the extra step if needed, or maybe, um, be a little more open to pursuing their own mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, and we've talked about this before, but that's called vulnerability, right? That's what (laughs) Bernie Brown would say, vulnerability. And there's, there's no courage. It takes a lot of courage uh, to have, uh, to be vulnerable. Yes. Um, And I just want to also give a shout out to our own uh, leader at our organization that, um, one of the things that I feel like has been uh, sort of a normalizing factor and, and something where people have felt like, oh, now I can talk about it is in his messages. Every time he's putting some kind of um, article in about how to be healthy during this time, how to deal with your stress. And he'll give oftentimes even like a little story about what he's doing to be healthy during this time. And I've heard so many positive comments mm-hmm. from employees. Yeah. And because they're right there twice a week, people talk about it. Oh, did you see the article about such and such? And it's oftentimes about sort of mental health and stress and how to take care of yourself. So I think it's a great example of how, well, we know from the statistics that leaders oftentimes think they're doing better than they are. I do think that is one example of where a leader is doing something. Yes really right for the organization because it does encourage people to actually have those conversations. So um, I think that's really great. It's so you're right, Crystal. It is, it takes courage and, and we are, we're always trying to promote um, courage in leaders. I mean, a courageous leader is one who is well followed. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. it would be wonderful if we had leaders out there in the world who would just look in the mirror and face those things that they're afraid of. You know, there. I have a book that says, do one thing every day that scares you. And to me, that is, it's a, a precious book because it, it just makes you step out of your box for a moment, right? And for leaders to be that kind of courageous would be, it would be inspiring. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be. And I think it would, um, you know, like you said earlier, it's a different level of connection um, once you have that vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I will never get close to a spider. I'm just putting that out there right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, I will, yeah. That's fear, not vulnerability. Yes. So... So I'm going to add one more statistic. I'm kind of on a roll because I I just, uh, it's just amazing how much stuff is just right out there. So Unum, which is in another person, another group in that wellness space, they gave a statistic, said one of the biggest shortcomings in employers' mental health efforts was being unprepared, unequipped, or simply reluctant to address the issue. Just 25% of managers in the U.S. have been trained 
in referring employees to mental health resources, and more than half of people are unsure how they would help a colleague who came to them with a mental health issue. And I thought that what a, I'm not sure, you know, where we're at in um, that, but I do think it's a fairly easy thing to do. You know, there's a there's there's clearly some steps that can be taken there to help managers with this. So as we think about like um, easy, I don't know if I should call it easy, but there's it's pretty it's it's pretty um, formulaic, I think, to say here you know, here's your EAP card, here's um, something, you know, that you can actually do, like put them in connection with the resource. So I think managers should really consider that to think about reaching out and saying, hey, what do we have in our organization? How do I access it? And um, can we have a little training on this? That would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to your point, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, managers reaching out to find that out is one thing, but if the culture is what mm -hmm. we hope it is, the leadership is actually cascading that information and making sure that leaders have moments of practice or whatever they need so that they can learn how to do it properly. And that way, when someone comes to their leader with an issue or, or they notice, the leader notices that people are starting to disengage, but it seems unhealthy, they will have some resources in their toolbox, in their mental toolbox to help them work a person or get a person on a track to either, you know, have the resources they need to get the help they need or, you know, offer them something that's helpful. Um, other than, I, I think to your point though, there are so many leaders that act like it doesn't exist because they don't know what to do. So they, they figure if they don't notice it, then it will go away. And, and you know, a lot of times we do that, right? Yeah. And I think I, I'd like to see it, you know, leaders even take it one step further. And, and if someone does come to you in a, clearly in a moment of distress, to go a little bit beyond just simply handing them a card or saying, uh, go to the company website or, or internet and you can find it here, is just uh, to equip them with some tools to just listen, right? And say, you know, I'm really sorry that you're that you're struggling with this. I'm sorry that you're having a hard time with this. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't have the answers because I'm certainly not a mental health um, counselor myself, but just to, it, have a gen again just that genuine conversation and not i don't have time for this or um this isn't my problem or um i just need you to get back to work and get over it um but just you know even what are some of those simple little things maybe just listening and um saying you know do you need to take a pto day you know take a day to to or you know a week or whatever the case but i think it's even a little one step closer to just bringing in that compassion piece rather than just referring them to the, the EAP site. And I think that's that disconnect in the study where it talked about our yeah. CEOs think we're here and employees think we're here is what can yeah. we do to close that gap? Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point, Danielle. And I think, it, I think it's right. And the, the more that people understand what steps they can take, the less fear I think they will have about um, engaging with employees. Because I do think yeah. a lot of leaders don't, they fear, what do I do with this? Yeah. And, and does that mean that 
you know, what kind of conversation do I have to have? I'm not a therapist. So helping them understand the difference between being a compassionate uh, leader and being feeling like they have to be a therapist. Right. Yeah. And I think even too, just, uh, you know, this, this, the whole point of, of bringing it up and saying managers, leaders, do you need to be aware of this? Is there something that you can do? Isn't to make managers into little mini me therapists, right? It's just yeah. to say, when you see someone who's behaving differently um, and, you know, there's a whole list of behaviors you could put around that right there maybe are more withdrawn they're more agitated um you know whatever whatever it is recognize that because you know that person well enough to say something's not quite right and even just a quick reach out um so it's not about becoming a mental health therapist and having another hat to wear it's just again what can something's off something doesn't feel right can we talk about this and and what can i do to support you yeah Yes, exactly. Great points. And what if we were to have a culture where things like um, mindfulness and uh-huh. yoga or whatever, I mean, you know, some people think that's a bit fluffy, but it's not. When you, when you can see over the past year, people who were under stress were, were employing some of their mental space to practicing those kinds of, of tools or those <coughs> kinds of uh, systems if you will and it helped them and so you know if it's journaling if it's you know just talking in a small group virtual coffee whatever that just a a, another way to connect can help people from even going down that road of being in mental stress or Mm -hmm. if you will yeah it's that connection keeping people connected and keeping them thinking about wellness mindfulness those kinds of things that touch on me personally you know how do i feel that's important and so if if those kinds of systems are in place and people embrace it and they participate in it i wonder if the statistics might not change a bit if uh-huh. it's a little more a little less subliminal if you will yeah yeah um in that article that talked about ariana huffington talking about um focusing on small science-packed action, science-backed actions that aim to build resistance and reduce stress. So Trisha, just what you're talking about, like encouraging your folks to turn off their phone at night, taking 60 seconds to breathe and reset, taking a walk. So small, small changes that, that make a big difference. I know one of the things that I keep trying to do and I have um, periodic success is to end our meetings early so that people have at least five minutes in between meetings, which isn't a long time, but it makes a big difference if you can actually get up and get yourself the next cup of coffee or or a glass of water or something, or just get up and stretch for a second Mm -hmm. to get away from the computer. It, it makes your day so much better than just going from one meeting to the next, clicking, clicking, clicking. Mm -hmm. So small things like that. And there, it seems like that should be easy, but I really struggled with it. So just continuing to try, I actually had somebody remind me about it the other day. They're like, aren't we going to end five minutes early? I'm like, (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. Yes, let's do this. It's like, we're never going to be done. So we might as well just be done five minutes earlier. You know, it's like, we're going to table the rest of this to the next time we meet. 
<laughs> so your your health is more important than whatever we could you know cram in in the last five minutes of this meeting. So yeah, well, um, about yeah. that five minutes. If if we were to do that with every meeting, because now that people are working from home, it's meeting after meeting most days. Yeah, so yeah. You, you know, if you're working an eight, 10, 12 hour day, you potentially have 10 to 11 meetings a day. And yeah. that's a lot of meetings. So if you're getting out five minutes early, to your point, Crystal, it gives you a moment to go breathe, to go get a cup of coffee or do whatever, bio breaks, whatever, you know, just, just something to make you feel like you're not just hitting the next button. And that in itself can be um, a great mental breath. Yeah, well, and the, the physical activity as well, um, you know, just yeah. getting up and moving. I know sometimes I've sat and it's like, oh, can I move at this point? <laughs> like, step. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> can I actually get out of my chair now? Yeah, I've been yeah. sitting here for so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there was just so much more movement when we were in the office space than it is, um, you know, even just getting up and going into the kitchen. It's just a few short steps rather than, you know, kind of a walk down the hall. Um, but I just, I wanted to say something important um, from my perspective. Anyway, everything so. <laughs> you say is important, Danielle. <laughs> we hang on every word. I, 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 I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> but, um, you know, and Trisha, you talked about, you know, people, uh, people as assets, you know, and, and there's, you know, lots of conversations you can have around that. But, you know, listening to my husband talk the other day, and I thought to myself, boy, sometimes I feel like we, we put more time and energy into our actual physical assets than we do into oh, our yeah. human assets. You know, he, they have a whole schedule of when they're going to, um, you know, go through this whole maintenance routine and care for the, the production stuff. And uh, he says, you know, equipment behaves, machines behave. They all have their own little personality and you have to know what the personality is. And then you have to schedule it. And this machine does this and this machine does this. And we put a dollar value around it. We don't do any of that stuff with employees. <laughs> I mean, unless you have regularly scheduled check-ins and even those uh, can be stressful for a lot of people. So uh, yeah, we just, we don't put that same level of thoughtful caring uh, into um, who we are as, as humans. That's so interesting yeah. you're saying that because it is true. We do put more, not we, everybody, I think in some point. <laughs> more weight on a physical asset than they do a person yeah and yet those little check-ins that you were talking about you know those can be the very thing that somebody needs mm -hmm. yeah. having a connection for a few minutes i know you know my boss and i check in um even if it's just for 15 minutes to half an hour you know every few days i think we have a we have a connection point and you know, it's, um, it's not as if I wouldn't be able to do my job if I didn't have that 15 minute check-in point, but it would not be as rich for me. I feel like I, I feel like I have uh, someone who cares about that and I feel like there's a connection. So I want to go the next mile, you know, and I, and I appreciate that. So I don't, um, you know, not today anyway, I'm not feeling mental stress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, uh, we're down to, can you believe it? We're down to getting towards the end here. So 
Um, I wanted to just quickly um, in the HR executive articles, so people can Google that HR executive, um, they gave, I think it's 10 things here. I didn't count them up, but really good, great things. I'm just going to kind of walk through those super quick that um, these come from experts, like what can we do? Um, and leaders play, play an important role in this can help move this forward. So survey employees, find out how are they doing? That can be in the form of an employee engagement survey. It can be just that you're putting a survey out specific to this particular issue around mental illness and the mental wellness and mental health. Evaluate and add resources. So make sure that the resources that you're providing, um, that you know, there's no gaps there. And there's so many things out there right now that are virtual or apps. So look into that if you haven't done that yet. Make sure employees are aware of the EAP and other resources that you currently offer. Offer one-on-one -on -one support. So making sure they have time to connect one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that is a whole other thing that we could talk about maybe um, in the future. Like how do you have a good one-on-one -on -one with an mm -hmm, employee? Mm -hmm. um, create clear boundaries. We talked about this already between work and personal time in remote settings. Consider giving employees an extra day off. So some organizations can do that um, where they actually just say, okay, this is a mental health day. Um, actually, interestingly, at the university, they did that at uh, WSU. They were, they gave kids um, days off throughout the uh, semesters that called mental health days, no class those days. Um, find ways to connect with employees, offer tips and education on how to cope um, talk openly about mental health and utilize apps. We talked about that already. So if you're interested in the details around that, you can Google the article. Um, so leaders, uh, what's their role? We talked a little bit about that already. A couple things um, that I actually think we, we talked a lot about this. So maybe think about that in our in our closing. So when we think about, so we are doing our closing, I'll just remind our audience about this if we have new <laughs> listeners, that um, starting in January, we decided to close out a little bit differently to, to summarize our takeaways from the discussion from three different perspectives. So Trisha is talking about the takeaways from an impact perspective. Danielle is taking, is talking about uh, from a professor perspective. And I'm talking about from a heart perspective. So as you think about leaders and their important role in helping moving this forward and creating that culture, um, Trisha, from an impact perspective, how would you summarize um, their role and this conversation? Oh my gosh, I could almost take another hour, but um, <laughs> the impact that um, a leader gives to their own mental health can have a, an amazing impact on the organization in my view. Uh, the fact that they're taking care of themselves and then also having a, a mindset or a, um, a commitment to focus the employees on them and not so much on to Daniel's point, those physical assets that <laughs> making sure that, that they feel um, a little bit, that they feel safe, whether it is um, or whether it is physical safety, there is that, that need for people. So I think the, the impact of all of that would be probably a greater engagement for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. So much more engaged. But I also think that the organization would, as a result of that, 
uh, realize um, much greater outcomes in terms of the work that they do. Uh, and they would certainly have lower turnover. There's a lot of that could this could impact um, in a business. So that's my two cents in less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle? So some things, uh, quite a few things come to mind for me. And, and uh, again, that um, balance of the task and the relationship. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's situational, right? And knowing and recognizing when do I shift on the scale here? Because um, it, it's the time you balance something, you're on a scale. So when do I need to lean a little bit more into the relationship piece and being able to recognize that, which uh, makes me think about the work that was done by Cuddy Fiskin Stark at all uh, around warmth and does warmth play a place in the organization? And their research said definitively yes. Uh, and the more warmth, now again, you have to balance it, right? With, with confidence, that was the, the scale that they used warmth and confidence but again, that balance of the two, warmth and confidence, meant you had a much highly, much more higher engaged uh, workforce. Once you start to dip below in that that warmth scale, uh, actually, what happens is you you run into situations of sabotage, whether it's active or passive. So. And then the, the warmth, the relationship, those two things make me think about emotional intelligence and how important the relationship management piece and emotional intelligence is. And it all comes back to that and having, again, that relationship uh, with your employees. And, and all of these things are well, well documented in the scientific research around the role of leadership. So leaders, boom. Mm, awesome, powerful, thank you. Um, mine's not actually not too far off that. So here we go. The science <laughs> and the heart is well connected. Yes. Um, I say from a leader, it, you play such an important role in noticing and, and seeing your, uh, your staff. So you're the closest, especially I'm talking, I guess, more about the people that are, um, frontline. So stay connected, notice, give time. Um, everyone's busy, but the most important thing as a leader that you can do is to show up and be present. And so that's what's gonna matter. And that's what's, you're gonna see what's going on. You're gonna notice when there's changes and then to, to ask about them, to have the courage to, to ask questions, to, to share your heart, to show you know, your struggles, but also to give time for them to talk about their, their struggles and to show up with empathy. empathy. So mm -hmm. um, show your heart that way as well. Be em empathic to what they're actually, show your empathy towards what their situation is, which may yeah. be different than different. yours. Yes. Yep. So um, impact, science, <laughs> professor, <laughs> and heart. So thanks, you guys. Let's and see. They're all saying the same thing. They are impact, impact the research and the heart. All points yeah. to the same in the same space. So yeah, more more whole employees, more productive employees, and better businesses. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to formally close us out. So in closing, I want to remind our audience to send in their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times and we'll try and answer them on air in an upcoming podcast. And we really hope somebody sends in a question. Um, we haven't had many questions, so 
send them to leadership and lattes, which is A-N-D, leadershipandlattes at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about us or the show, please go to the website, thepinnaclecc.com. That's thepinnaclecc.com. Technical support is provided by Ari Chance Roberts. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. And share with others like yourself that you think would benefit from this podcast. Thank you, Danielle and Trisha, for co-hosting with me. <laughs> we look forward to our next podcast and we'll have a special guest with us next time. So we're excited to uh, be able to introduce that person to you. And um, thank you uh, to our audience. Thank you, audience, for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.